0: God, as we come to your word, we want to come as whole people, and sometimes it feels strange to be able to bring the sort of mundane things of our lives into your presence. Sometimes it feels strange to uh, talk about the things that didn't go well or to bring in the sort of worries that we have about work or to bring in our conversations about money here. And yet, at no point in time have you ever said that There is anything apart from you. Time and time again, through Scripture and through the Spirit, you remind us that you create everything, that you are the Lord over all, which means that you're also the Lord over the mundane things. You're also the Lord over the money and the financial things. And you're also the Lord over our hearts, our thoughts, our intentions, our lives. As we turn to your Scripture, we pray, God, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that you will give us a renewed understanding on who you are calling us to be, not just as individuals, but as a community of faith. May we be open to your spirit. May we be transformed by your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you guys ever had to take those cough drops that numb your whole mouth? Yes? No? Yeah. So if I slur... That's why I haven't been partaking in anything except tea this morning. It's just the cough drops. Our scripture for today comes from John three verses 1 through 21. It's a familiar story for those of us who have been around the church for a while. It's the story of a man named Nicodemus who comes to visit Jesus at night." It says, "Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. All those who do evil hate the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But those who live by the truth come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. How many of you ever heard a part of that passage before? Our passage from Scripture for today contains what is arguably the most famous Scripture passage of all time, plus a little extra. The part that says, for God so loved the world that God gave God's only son so that everyone who believes may have eternal life, because God did not come into the world to condemn, but to save, because everyone who believes is not condemned. We have seen this verse printed in gold flake on commemorative plates. We have seen this verse scrawled on the arms and the backs and the legs in black and white tattoos. We see it on television screen at sports events. We see it in the bulletins of our church. John 3.16, as far as verses go, is legend. (coughs) Sorry. What we don't often recall about this is that Jesus is saying this really freeing statement that God is here to free you and me from all of the things that bind us and not to smother us in guilt. Jesus says this in response to a man who had it all. Nicodemus (coughs) was a teacher of the law. He was a Pharisee. What we know for sure is that, (coughs) oh, for the love of Pete, Ah, let me just suck on this for a minute. Ah, coughs are so annoying, aren't they? And they're annoying not just to the person coughing, but they're also annoying to everyone who has to listen to it. There's agreement over here. All right, let's try this again without the coughing. Nicodemus was a man of influence. We know that he's a man of influence not primarily from his title. Pharisees are not necessarily people who were influential back in the day. They were important, but not necessarily well-resourced. We know mostly that he has influence not from his title and not from references that are being given by his friends. We know that he's a man of influence because we know that Nicodemus had something to lose. And we know that he had something to lose because Nicodemus shows up at night to ask his questions of Jesus. He doesn't ask them in the broad light of day when all the other Pharisees and legal experts were regularly trying to trip Jesus up and to catch him. He he doesn't talk to Jesus over one of the many meals that Jesus liked to share with people of all different sorts at all different times. Instead, Nicodemus seeks out Jesus And what is the agent equivalent to the dark web? (coughs) The scripture tells the story about Nicodemus in this way on purpose. To invoke this particular feeling in us. To promote this particular stereotype. That what happens in the dark is not fit for the light. That we only do in the dark what we don't want anyone else to know about. All right, another interlude, hang on. <sighs> Someone else wanna finish this for me? <laughs> I don't wanna pretend that I know that all that Nicodemus had to lose. I don't think there's any way of knowing. But we can't imagine what Nicodemus had to lose. For instance, if Nicodemus is is the same person as the rich young ruler who met Jesus in the night at any of the other gospels, then that means that Nicodemus had the prestige of wealth behind him. If he wasn't that man, thank you Bong, if he wasn't that man, it's just, and he is just as it says he is in the book of John, then he at least has his reputation as a religious leader at stake, which is not something to be taken lightly. (coughs) <coughs> I don't pretend to know what Nicodemus had to lose. Now that said, while I don't know his past, I know what this conversation with Jesus is pointing toward for Nicodemus' future, which is that ultimately, Jesus is saying that in order to experience the fullness of God's truth, Nicodemus has to start over. And this idea of being born again, it's this idea that has had a whole bunch of stigma and hype built up around it over recent years in terms of what it looks like to do it right and how we do it. Do we say a certain prayer? Do you live a certain way? But really being born again is just a very accurate illustration of what it feels like to start over and to start again. And so to the people in the world who are feeling like their current circumstances are sort of cruddy and they could really use a fresh start, this idea of being born again, of starting over again, is really freeing. Maybe that's why Jesus had so many people of ill repute who would follow him so fully. But to those of us who have done our best to create the life that we have always dreamed of, starting over again, sounds like a nightmare. After all, if everything in my life has been building towards something, if I have done these activities so that I could go to this school, so that I could make these contacts, so that I could land this job, so that I could move to this place, which then put me in touch with this new opportunity and in a relationship with this person, and we have these children, and we raise them to do the right activities so that they could go to this school and, and, and. If everything in my life has been arranged to build towards something, why in the world would I want to stop that? Why would starting over be a good thing if that were me? And yet that's exactly what's happening here in this Bible verse with Jesus and Nicodemus. He says the good news is only found in you starting over and not just starting over the bad things, but starting over the good ones too. And friends, I know we are really reluctant to do this. I know that we are reluctant to do this because I have been there multiple times and maybe you have too. The most significant start over that I've done in my life was when I became a mom. Here I was, I had this master's degree, a master's in divinity. I mean, if that's gonna make you feel important, right? a master's in divinity from the Princeton Seminary, which we were again feeling so important about. I was ordained at 24, I was serving churches, I was building programs. I felt really accomplished and dignified in my life. But then here I was at 27, spending all of my time in yoga pants, sitting on the floor, changing diapers, and trying to teach a small human how to eat. Which if you have never had to teach someone how to eat, Let me tell you, it's a very humbling experience and you do not come out of it clean. (laughs) Andy and I started over again when we moved from Santa Barbara to El Paso. And then I returned to full-time church ministry after four years of consulting. And then just a year and a week ago, we moved here to be with all of you. And it's one thing to move when you are in need of new scenery, when you are tired and desperate for a new perspective, but it is another thing entirely to start over when everything is going well and you have no earthly reason to promote change. Let me tell you, starting over when things are rough makes you feel like you have a second lease on life, starting over when things are good just makes you feel like a fool. So then why does Jesus ask us to do this? to be born again, to start over, both when things aren't going so well as when we couldn't imagine things as well as when we couldn't imagine things going any better. I don't think that Jesus is asking us to do this because Jesus doesn't want us to be happy, right? Like the second that we build something that we're proud of, Jesus is like the kid who comes in and kicks the sandcastle over. I don't think that's Jesus. I don't think that Jesus doesn't want us to be happy or enjoy our lives or doesn't want us to build something that gives us satisfaction or something to be proud of. I think the reason why Jesus asks us to start again is simple, even though it's not easy. Jesus asks us to be born again into our lives to start over because experiencing the world as God intended it to be really is more extraordinary than anything and everything that we can build for ourselves. And Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus that experiencing life as God intended it to be lived is available to us now. Jesus is saying that we don't have to wait until later. In verses 10 through 12, he says, "'I speak only of what I know by experience. "'I give witness to what I have seen with my own eyes.'" There is nothing secondhand here. There is no hearsay. I am telling you as plain as I can about being born again, about the joy that is to be had, which is to say that we don't have to wait until we die to feel free from the things that we are ashamed of. We don't have to wait until we die to forgive ourselves for the things that seem too big for us to be forgiven for. We don't have to wait until we die to know joy and hope each and every day when things are great and all going wonderfully, but also when things are just going to pot. The only reason why Jesus would ask Nicodemus and the only reason why Jesus would ask us to start over when things are going good is because what he has for us is even better than what we can build in our best lives. Um, I think that sometimes we don't branch out and stretch ourselves. We don't try something new or something different or just something that might be a little bit risky, not even big risky, just a little bit because we are so happy with what we have now. Sometimes I think that we are convinced that things will not get better than this. And so we protect it. We have a word for this, the comfort zone, right? We refuse to risk when we are in the comfort zone. And people often say that they stay in their comfort zone because they become complacent or lazy or apathetic in their comfort, but I actually don't think it's true. I don't think it's laziness that keeps us in our comfort zone. I think it's fear. I think we stay in our comfort zones because we fear that if we leave that comfort zone, then it won't be there when we get back. I think we know how fickle these comforts that we build for ourselves really are. Sometimes I think we believe that if we do step out of the comfort zone, then those comforts will fade or disappear, they'll implode or they'll be com- become compromised in some way. And then that makes me ask myself, well then what's the point of a comfort zone if it's so fickle that it's not there for us to comfort us when we need it, am I right? Yeah. Those of us with comfort zones should be the people who can afford to be more risky, who can afford to be more bold and more adventurous because at least we have something to retreat back to. But rarely is this the case. Friends, it's really scary to start over again when things are comfortable and when things are good. And yet Jesus still asks us to do it, not because he doesn't want us to fully enjoy our lives, but because he does want us to fully enjoy our lives. Not being afraid that the comfort zone that we have built up around us is going to disappear the second that we don't pay attention to it, that we don't hide within it. C.S. Lewis has this quote that's pretty famous. Maybe you've heard it before. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is being meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Friends, we are called to start again We are because we are far too easily pleased with the little comforts that we have created around our lives, thinking that somehow it cannot get better than this. But how weak is our imagination? I really hope that today might be a day where we risk starting over.